Right. Good morning, everybody. Good to see so many of your, your faces today. Um, just grab this. Um, all right. So, uh, as Keith said, we have um, reached the third week in our Dry Bones Rising series. And uh, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge how crazy is it that it was freezing in here in 45 degrees last week, and now it's 90 and we have to have all the AC units going. <laughs> Unbelievable. If, if you weren't here last week or you didn't hear the live stream, um, it was so cold in here that I brought up four space heaters to try and heat the place up, and that I plugged them into the wrong outlets, so I blew the circuits, and we had no projector, and then we had no heat either. Um, so, unbelievable, right? It's New England for you. So yeah, this is our third week in our Dry Bones Rising series, and that title comes from a vision in the book of Ezekiel, uh, chapter 37. The prophet saw, in a vision, a, uh, a, a deserted area with dry human bones. And he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Can these bones live? And, of course, the natural answer to that would be no, of course not. They are dead. They are very dead. They have been dead for a long time. And yet the word of the Lord speaks, and then these bones start reassembling, and, and muscles and ligaments form over them and skin, and then they rise to life uh, with breath in them, fully alive, restored human beings. And I've been drawn to that vision uh, because I think that after 15 months of the pandemic, a lot of us feel like dry bones, spiritually speaking. Uh, a lot of people feel that way, a lot of churches feel that way, a lot of pastors feel that way. And yet this vision, this powerful vision in the book of Ezekiel, reminds us that even the most hopeless of situations can turn around. Can these dry bones live? Yes. Contrary to what you might think, the Lord's answer is yes. With him, it is possible. So throughout this series, we've been asking the question, what are some practical things that we can do to come to life spiritually, to raise our dry bones? And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the importance of prayer. Uh, last week, we talked about the importance of fellowship. And this week, we're talking about the importance of mission. And one way of thinking about this is, in order for us to feel spiritually healthy, we have to feel like we have a good relationship with the Lord, we have to feel like we have a good relationship with each other, and we have to feel like we have a good relationship to the world. Okay, So prayer obviously has to do with our relationship with God, fellowship, our relationship with each other, and mission, our relationship to the world. What does it mean to have a missional relationship to the world? It means to approach the world with a sense of purpose and calling. Uh, to feel like we are in some way participating in what God wants to do in the world. Something that I think is ironic about the way that God has wired us is that we usually aren't happy when we're only focused on our own happiness. We usually aren't happy when we're focused only on our own happiness. We want to feel like we are contributing to something greater, something bigger than our own happiness, something more than our own individual uh, glory. And uh, that's really hardwired into this, in, into us. I was um, 
as I was thinking about this concept, a uh, lyric from a song came to me that I haven't heard in a long time. It's by a band called Fleet Foxes. Has anybody heard of Fleet Foxes? Am I the only one? Okay, yeah. Uh, and uh, the song says, I was raised up believing I was somehow unique, like a snowflake, distinct among snowflakes, unique in each way you'd conceive. And now, after some thinking, I think I'd rather be a functioning cog in some great machinery serving something beyond me. I love that. Um, now, I would take issue a little bit with what the singer is saying because he seems to be implying that you can't be unique while also contributing to something bigger than yourself. I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. But I think that the singer is he's describing a shift in his attitude where for a long time he's been so focused on his own individuality, his own individual happiness, his own uniqueness and specialness, and now he's realizing that just focusing on that is unfulfilling for him, and he wants to be part of something bigger than that. And I think most of us long for that like this singer. Uh, we want to feel like we're doing things that matter, that we have purpose, and that's part of being made in the image of God. It's part of being human. And uh, that desire increases in us when the Holy Spirit fills us, because the Holy Spirit is all about a mission, God's mission. And so when he lives in us, he's inspiring us to be part of that mission. And if we're not part of that mission, we start to feel like spiritual dry bones. Something feels wrong. We don't feel satisfied. You know, Jesus knew that we are wired this way. I think that's partly why he said, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Okay, when we give ourselves away to God and his mission, paradoxically, as we give our lives away, we actually find our lives. We find meaning. We find true life. Okay, but if we cling too tightly to our own lives, focused on ourselves, we actually end up losing our lives. We lose the experience of real life and satisfaction. And so I think that this is one of the reasons why the pandemic has been so hard for many of us and why it has led us to feel like spiritual dry bones, right? Because the pandemic has made it harder for us to be missional, right? If you feel like you have to keep your distance from everybody, it's harder to be on mission, right? You feel restricted, you feel restrained. And that loss of mission affects our well-being. A couple weeks ago, I was scrolling on Facebook, and um, this article came up from the New York Times that I think describes uh, what I am talking about here pretty well. Uh, it was all about the experience of languishing. Uh, it said, languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield, and it might be the dominant emotion of 2021. Now, I realize this doesn't apply to everyone, okay? You, over the course of the pandemic, may have felt more missional than you ever have before. Um, maybe your life didn't even change that much. But if that's you, I think you're in the minority, and this... Uh, article is evidence of that. Most people have felt like they're muddling through 
the last year. And so to help remind us of who we are and what our mission is, today I want to look at three places in Scripture that describe three ways that we can think about our mission. Okay? So, number one, way of, ways of understanding our mission uh, comes from Matthew 6, verse 9. This is a passage that we looked at just a few weeks ago when we talked about prayer. Uh, this is Jesus saying the Lord's Prayer. He said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want us to think about that line. When we pray that, we are recognizing that right now, not everything that happens on earth is the Lord's will, right? There's a distinction right now between heaven, how things ought to be, and how things actually are. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying for that to change. Okay? We are inviting God's kingdom to come for this, this disharmony between how things ought to be and how they actually are to be eliminated. And so as we pray that, we should realize that we are also being invited into participating in that transformation, right? So one way of thinking about our mission is that we are called to help make earth more like heaven. Say that to yourself. I am called to help make earth more like heaven. That is part of your mission, right? Heaven is a place of peace. So you are called to help advocate for peace. Heaven is a place of perfect justice, so you are called to help advocate for justice. Heaven is a place where people dwell with God. Remember that when we got to the end of the Revelation series and talked about heaven? How it talked about how, you know, now the dwelling of God is with humanity, right? And so if that's what heaven is like, then we should be inviting people into relationship with God. So that distinction between heaven and earth goes away. So that's the first way of thinking about our mission. You are called to make earth more like heaven. Second way of thinking about it can be found at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. Now, we actually looked at this passage uh, already at one point during the pandemic, uh, but it never hurts to go back to it because it's important. What does it mean to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world? Well, first, let's talk about salt. This is a great metaphor. What does salt do? Salt does three things. It preserves, it flavors, and it inspires thirst. Back in those days, there wasn't any refrigeration, so if you wanted your meat not to spoil, you put lots of salt on it. It was a preservative. And so what does this mean when Jesus says you are the salt of the earth? What it means is that you are supposed to function like a preservative in society. Okay? You are supposed to preserve what is good and beautiful in God's creation. You're supposed to help keep God's world from rotting. That's what it means to be the salt of the earth. Salt also flavors. It takes something that might ordinarily be bland and it brings out the good flavor that already exists in, in it. 
So one way of thinking about your function in the world, your mission, is that you are supposed to magnify the goodness that already exists in God's world, in God's creation. You're supposed to bring it out, right? Make the world more tasty, more flavor, flavorful, enrich it. And then lastly, as salt, you're supposed to inspire thirst. What does that mean? Our presence in the world is supposed to inspire people to turn to God, to long for the living water, as the Bible puts it. You know, Jesus said, whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by that, he meant the Holy Spirit. So ideally, when we are letting the Holy Spirit guide us, when people encounter us, they should think, I want to drink from the same well that this person has drunk from, right? And, and so our presence should make people thirsty for God and for righteousness, okay? So that's what it means to be the salt of the earth. What does it mean to be the light of the world? Now Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse 16, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Our lives, and I realize this is a, heart, a, a high calling, but our lives are supposed to be so characterized by goodness, by the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that when people uh, encounter us, they are inspired to worship the God that we worship. And this is an important verse. I think we really need to recognize this, right? Because sometimes I hear people say things like, well, you know, if the church gets too focused on good deeds, then it's losing sight of the gospel, right? The, the, the primary task of the church is to spread a message. That's our job. And if we're not entirely focused 100% on that, and we get caught up in this other, like, good work stuff, then we're, ju we're just losing sight of the real gospel. But that's not true. I mean, yes, we have a message that we're called to share about Christ and what he's done, and that's important, and we can't lose sight of that. But Jesus himself specifically says here, right, let your light shine before men. How? By just talking at them, telling them stuff? No. Let your light shine before men through your good deeds, through your character, through the way that you live your life. And when they see that, they will be inspired to praise the God that you worship. Okay? So that's a big part of our mission, is living in the kind of way that inspires uh, worship when other people see it. And then finally, third way to think about our mission in the world comes uh, from Jesus' last words to his disciples before his ascension. This is Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, what's the third thing we're supposed to do? We're supposed to make disciples. Make disciples. In other words, part of being a follower of Jesus is that we're supposed to be making some effort to replicate ourselves, like to invite other people into relationship with God. And that involves teaching people what Jesus taught, right? And it involves baptizing people. That's part of what the church is supposed to do. And that's why 
We invite people into communities like this one. That's part of the function of the church, right? Because when people come into a community like this, they have an opportunity to hear the sorts of things that Jesus taught and hopefully at some point to be baptized if that's something that they want, right? So we're called to make disciples. Now you might say, well, Ryan, are you sure that this applies to us? Does it really apply to all followers of Jesus? Because, I mean, he said it specifically to the 11 disciples. So should we really think this is for us too? And my answer is absolutely it's for us, right? Because what does Jesus say? He says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Is the age over? No, it's not, right? The age did not end with the disciples uh, passing away, right? The age continues. We're still in it. And positive side of that, right, is that the promise still endures, right? Jesus is still with us, right? If, you're, if we're trying to make disciples in our own power, we're not going to get very far. But if Jesus is with us, as he promises, then yes, there is power through our lives and through our witness for people to come to Christ, okay? All right, so let's look at those again. Ways of understanding our mission, you are called to make earth more like heaven. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And you are called to help make disciples. Okay, these are the things that the Holy Spirit wants to guide you in accomplishing, right? This is the work of the church. This is the mission that we are on. And if we lose sight of this mission, if we don't feel like we're participating in it at all, we become dry bones. We languish spiritually. We feel empty. So, of course, the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is, do I feel like I'm participating in any of this? Do I feel like I'm doing any of it? And I don't ask that question as some sort of, um, you know, implication that you're not already. I just think it's important for each of us to search ourselves and ask, am I involved in this mission? Am I, am I a part of it? You know, and something that you might need to do that can help bring life to your dry bones is to recognize the ways that you are already doing these things. You might already be very active, but you, you're not conscious of it. You know, for example, if you're raising kids, I mean, that is a huge task, a huge mission. And if you're raising your kids to love the Lord, I mean, you are doing all three of those things, potentially. And it's a full-time job, full-time disciple-making, right? So you might, not, you might not need to add a bunch of stuff to your life in order to do this. You might just need to recognize, oh, okay, this is part of my mission. I am doing it. So let me embrace that and, and find joy in it and live fully into it as my mission. You know, you might need to do the same thing with your job. Okay, you realize you do not have to be a missionary or a pastor to be fulfilling these things through your work. But sometimes you need to do a little thinking about, okay, how am I doing these things through my job? How can I do them more through my job? How can I live into the calling that God has given me? Okay. Now, on the other hand, maybe as you take stock of your life right now, 
you think, yeah, I genuinely don't think I'm doing any of those things. I don't see it. Uh, I feel isolated. I feel unproductive. I'm languishing. All right, if that's the case, first thing I want you to do is I want you to envision Jesus saying to you the things that he says to his followers. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Go and make disciples. I'm with you. I'm with you always. Okay, hear him saying those things. What is your reaction? Your reaction might be, no, I'm not the salt of the earth. That's ridiculous. How arrogant would it be for me to say, I am the salt of the earth? But then remember, it's arrogant to disagree with Jesus too, right? So rather than arguing with Jesus about this, embrace what he's saying about you, and then live as if it's the truth, okay? Start by receiving what he's saying about you, and then live into it. So that's the first thing I, I encourage you to do. Second thing, and this is not just for if you feel like you're not missional at all, it's for all of us, is to ask yourself a series of questions that I'm going to suggest. So these are questions that are meant to uh, spur your reflection so you can think about some ways that you might be able to be more missional. Okay? And I encourage you to write these down. Um, maybe Keith can put them in the, in the comments section. Seven questions. They're on two slides. When the sermon is over, I'll put them up again, and we can toggle back and forth between the two of them during the reflection song. If you don't write them all down right away, so you'll have another chance. Um, who do I know that could use encouragement? Who might need someone to listen to them? Who might be open to talking about faith? What's a problem that I feel compelled to help fix? How can I help to bring peace and or reconciliation? Who might have practical needs I can help meet? And what are ways that I can help invite people into relationship with Christ. And I know I went a little fast there, so like I said, I'll toggle back and forth between those slides. Um, or Caleb hopefully can. Thanks. So what I want to encourage you to do is just spend some time in prayer reflecting on these questions. And just try to identify one concrete thing that you can do over this next week 
that you haven't been doing that can help you live out the mission that God calls us to do, to, to help make earth more like heaven, to be salt of the earth, light of the world, and to make disciples. Any one of those things. And maybe as you do that, you'll find something that you can be a part of consistently. And that's, you know, one thing in your life where you're like, this is how I'm living missionally, you know, one thing that I'm called to. Or maybe each week you'll return to these questions and you'll find something unique each week that God gives you. I don't know, you know, how it will play out. But my encouragement is just to use this list to just find one thing each week that can help you to live missionally. Especially if you feel like dry bones, especially if you feel like you've been uh, languishing spiritually. And I want you to remember that the little things are important. You know, the way that those questions are worded is supposed to inspire us to recognize that you don't have to be an overseas missionary, uh, you don't have to uh, be a pastor or something like that to be part of mission, right? And there's all kinds of little ways uh, that you can live missionally, you know, encouraging people, listening to people, uh, that sort of thing. I'm reminded of uh, something Jesus said. I want to close with this. Uh, he said in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Now maybe part of what Jesus meant when he said that is that the way that the kingdom of God grows is through little things. You know, things that might not seem spectacular uh, to our perception. You know, little acts of love and humility and service. And we might think that these things are very minor, but the reality is that they have a ripple effect that is profound, you know, more than we can, uh, we can possibly imagine. The kingdom starts small, but it goes boom. So don't underestimate the power of living missionally in the little things every day. So, that is the message for this morning. If you are feeling like dry bones, if you feel like you're languishing, embrace the missional mindset. Lose your life to find it. Embrace what Jesus says about who you are and live that out. And uh, before we pray, last thing I want to say is I put together a list of missional opportunities through St. Paul's. Uh, if you didn't get it on the way in, there's a handout in the back. And I encourage you to take that with you and use that to help guide your reflection this week as you think about those questions. Um, there's contact information for all the different ways that you could possibly get involved. So as we're coming out, out of the pandemic, hopefully um, there will be a lot more of those kinds of opportunities. So make sure to check that out. All right, let's pray. Lord, we do invite you uh, to give life to our dry bones. And um, Father, I pray that we would experience the joy of being involved in your mission in the world and being a small part of that, participating in that, Lord. Uh, help us to believe what you say about us uh, and to live accordingly. 
And uh, Lord, we just want to experience the life that is truly life. Uh, you said that you came to bring life and bring it to the full. Uh, we want to know what that's like. And uh, so, Lord, guide us in that. In Jesus' name, amen.